Okay, today sees me chatting with a couple of agency mates. And as you sometimes get with agency mates, the one or two naughty words may creep out in conversation. So if you're easily offended or maybe in the car with kids, you might think again about listening or where you listen to this podcast. Anyway, let's crack on. Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organizations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Right. Today, we are going to talk about the value of company values. Um, it's another topic I'm passionate about, as as I see and hear too many examples of companies who will proudly show off their mural on the wall, emblazoned with their behavior-defining values, but there's really no recognition of them in the business. They aren't really used and certainly don't provide any tangible benefit. But there are equally great examples out there where these things really mean something. They help with decision-making, differentiate you from the competition, add value to employees in those businesses, and become central to how business thinks and acts. So the question is, how do you go from mural to mindset when you're dealing with company values? Well, I'm joined today by Graham Watson and Alice Smith to discuss just that. Graham's the co-owner and creative director of Weekend Creative, and some years ago, he turned his back on the world of big London agencies to start an independent agency that specialises in creating meaningful messaging and creative for his clients. Alice is Graham's partner and a super talented brand and communication strategist, and together, they help clients make their company values more than just words on a mural and really help bring them to life. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Hi, Andy. Hiya. How are we doing? All right? We are very good, thank you. Yes, we have a litre of coffee. We are good to go. The litre of coffee, that's that's such an agency thing. I mean, you haven't clearly left all the big London agency stuff behind. I mean, imagine this is a, a Colombian crossed with a Kenyan, right. crossed with an Ethiopian kind of mm-hmm. filter. Oh, and the single origin, Andy, but it is Colombian, you are right. Yeah. Good. And served with oat milk, just in case there's any. It's, oh my God, that, I mean, that, that's marvellous. That's I, couldn't, very, I, very... Couldn't, I couldn't leave it all behind. <laughs> very cutting edge, mate, very cutting edge. Well, look, we're here today to talk about the value of values, uh, and in particular, getting them off the mouse mat and actually into the psyche of a business. So I know you guys, the 
rest of my listeners may not know you as well as I do. So give me a little bit of a background. What, why, why this specialism in purpose and values as, a, as an agency? I think um, it's something that we've, we're both really passionate about from slightly different perspectives. But because what we do is all centred around meaningful creative, in some ways there's really no more creative that could be more meaningful than your purpose and values. Um, and so kind of bringing that to life and working with businesses to help them articulate what their purpose is and what their values are is something that we find gives businesses um, a real sense of meaning and that meaning helps them engage their teams and that's something that is just so wonderful to watch and really enjoyable to do so it's something that we we really enjoy because of what what it kind of kicks off in businesses and the the change that can happen if you do that well and what that means to people yeah I mean I you know I've seen firsthand the benefit that values can bring to a business and the growth that it then uh, that then results off the back of that I think for me uh, I feel a genuine strong emotional connection with the final product it's uh, it's quite peculiar once I'm under the skin of a business and we're in a privileged position that we get to hear firsthand from owners leadership teams uh, the staff who actually produce products services we get to hear firsthand what it's like to be there uh, and we also get to see a picture of a potential mismatch between what's been said and what's been done and what they're aiming to do. And so it's a real privileged position. And once I'm under the skin of a business, the, the right answer when it finally comes to us, usually around 2 a.m., um, it, it, it moves me to want to spring into action. And it actually feels inspired for me to get involved myself. And it might sound cheesy, but we know it's right when I kind of get that kind of hair standing on end feeling of, of Crisis is exactly what's needed. This, this, this. I, I've, I've listened to all the research. This motivates me, and I'm, and I'm certain this is going to motivate uh, the people there. So, when you decided that the London agency life was 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 not for you, was this something front and center in in your mind? Was it going to be a specialist creative agency, or was it going to be broader? How did you end up really concentrating on values and purpose? Well, I. Personally speaking, I, there was a there was a lack of authenticity I saw, um, was certainly starting to creep in in the kind of big agency world. Um, it was less there was less connection with the final product and the people, and it was more about the creative itself uh, uh, and 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 what that looked like. And what drove me was when uh, ideas resonated with people at the actual businesses. And the problem is that there were layers of bureaucracy and red tape in, in the big agency world. Uh, so when we started WeCan, I realized that we could not only get closer to the customer and the client, but we could also bring all of that big thinking and make it much more direct as a connection. And then the to values and behaviors, um, it became the obvious answer to start motivating people into you know, doing better throughout those businesses. So I was able to speak to the owners and then connect what was going on in their mind and create messaging and creative that drove people that worked for them to deliver that so ultimately this is like an extension of the dna of the brand right so you're just going you're going deeper under the epidermis you're you're not just concentrating on that i guess the veneer of sales promotion or communications you're trying to sort of say right what is driving this business and that often gives you the answer for connected aligned meaningful messaging and creative right 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the, the big idea was always very strong in the agency world, and that still stands true now. The big idea is sentient and, and true, but um, beyond that, uh, values and behaviours, certainly at that time, and maybe it's a time thing, but it certainly wasn't, um, um, it wasn't something people focused on. I, I always like the fact that um, figuring, kind of getting together with the business and trying to figure out that how to articulate their purpose and uncovering what their values are feels a lot like therapy. And um, I really enjoy that part where you are sort of probing um, people about what drives them and why they behave in certain ways and what that means for them as a business. Um, so I like I enjoy the therapy part. And I think that's one of the, the best bits about working on these projects, because I think mm. you always unearth some really interesting, interesting bits. And the fact that we tend to work with not only the leadership team, but also lots of people throughout the companies. That we work with so you get to find that perspective from different people's points of view and mm. I find that really fascinating and the um from the other thing from my point of view because I'm also a writer and um I started out doing these sort of values projects writing manifestos for the brands and um and doing that kind of writing is really really interesting because actually it's a really powerful way of bringing together a lot of beliefs that companies hold and usually when you get to roll that bit out, it has quite an impact mm. on people. So from a word point of view, these projects are brilliant as well. I I think that's very interesting because you mentioned about not just working with the leadership teams, but I'm not, I'm not sure that's necessarily consistent in, a, in every business. I mean, I'm I'm with you in that if you are going to build, shape, create, however you want to define it, the values and purpose of a business. There's definitely a job to do as a leadership collective to set a path, to put a vision out there. But I think these things become more meaningful the deeper you go into the business and 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 see actually how these things translate for the people who, at the end of the day, in most businesses, are the end delivery of your brand right yeah and and in your experience of working with companies is that method more commonplace or does it still seem to sit with a, a leadership team sort of taking control how how are you seeing I it think, work i think lots of companies would prefer it to be a leadership team discussion um or at least in the first instance because i think it's something that generally they tend to want some control over and that's not necessarily a bad thing and there is that um, what, what it's important to get the leadership team to do at the beginning of those projects is talk about their vision for the business mm. and where they see the business in five years time. Because I think that um, we're always trying to balance um, a kind of a reflection of how the business is and how they behave with where they want to go. And so you, you're sort of balancing mm. the ambition of the business with the reality of the business. So that piece is really important. But um, I, And I know that lots of uh, Companies would prefer to do it that way, so the leadership team kind of sets it up, and you might get some input from uh, other people across the business, but they are not necessarily keen to do that. But we've seen how powerful it is to involve people from throughout the business, and what a difference that makes. But yes, I think you're right; it's not necessarily an assumed way of working. No, I think uh, I think our role uh, as well becomes very, very important, connecting that vision with with how things are. I think that's exactly right, Alice. What you were just saying. Um, the hardest job. In any of these projects that we do, it's trying to create that pathway, that bridge between where things are 
and where they want to be. That doesn't necessarily mean that the values are different to each of those ends, that scale, but it can often mean fighting cynicism or maybe years of perhaps projects like that not working. We've been involved before where we've unpicked previous values and behaviours work that have been perhaps, as you just mentioned, driven too heavily by leadership and not as much by listening. You need both of those. You need strong leadership and a clear direction, but you also need that listening piece in order to, same as sort of bringing up children, in order to encourage them to do what you need them to do, you have to understand where they are at the moment and what their mindset is. Sure. Do you think that this leadership team reticence, if that's not too strong a word to, to use, is driven by control? So the need to kind of keep it simple, keep it direct and uh, have it their way? Or is there an element of fear that they may unleash a beast and make things more complicated. What, what's your view? I think I think that's a little bit of both. I think there's definitely a fear that um, just I, I think almost as well as an expectation that they need to be very clearly the ones in a position of leadership. And I go back to that point of leadership isn't necessarily, of course, instruction and direction. Leadership can be, you know, gently coercing, steering, motivating. Um, there's, there's there's a gulf between those two. Sure, but you've got leaders throughout the businesses now, right? I mean, I think there's mm-hmm. a top team, but I think mm-hmm. leaders take on many, many forms within mm-hmm. businesses. Mm-hmm. I, th- I just mm-hmm. think it's interesting because I'm I'm more interested to sort of get your views on this deeper approach where you're involving, engaging employees throughout the business to help shape or refine or consolidate mm-hmm. this this mm-hmm. this vision. I think the interesting thing is up until recently, there was this kind of um, assumption about company values that they needed to sound a certain way. Mm. um, And they had to be kind of, they had to be quite corporate, I think, for people to think that you'd done them properly. There's kind of an assumed language around values. And there was a lot of, uh, there are a lot of leaders in lots of businesses who are still very comfortable with that language. Um, And the trouble is really that it's lots of bigger businesses who have lots of people who are working maybe directly with customers or with clients all the time. A lot of those corporate sounding values didn't really mean anything. So although they kind of could get on board with them in, in a kind of, yeah, they're, they're okay sense, they didn't really ever mean anything. And, and they were always kind of wallpaper. Um, and so it's been really interesting to watch over the last few years as we've done more of these projects where we go and speak to people who are often on the kind of customer side of things um, and they use really different language so what they're describing is not anything different really to what the leaders are saying are the values of their business but the way that they express them is not corporate it's much more everyday language it's ordinary stuff but it means a lot more to them and I think um over the last few years, there's been a bit more of an acceptance that it's okay to not sound like, to not sound corporate in your values and to have phrases and uh, principles that mean something to, for want of a better phrase, ordinary people, just as if you were just having a normal conversation with somebody. And um, I think that's really powerful and that's what Mm. we love doing. I think you need to use language that encourages action in a very natural way. And just thinking about how you would inspire action if you were talking to somebody face to face, those statements and those words that you would use need to sound real. I think if there's a mismatch between how you would talk and what's being said, people are less likely to trust the authenticity of that message. Yes. I mean, clearly language is, is an important 
an important factor to consider. Are you? Do you see any common pitfalls that businesses can idly wander into and fall into um, when they're putting these things together? Uh, have you set up sort of anti-trap mechanisms to stop them doing <laughs> those things? I mean, uh, how, how do you a, work it? We, um, yeah, we do see, and, and I think this comes from uh, fear of looking silly uh, often that companies do a thing where they sort of look up what another company that they sort of admire has done and then do a bit of a copy and paste job on it because if it's worked for that company and yeah. they admire them, they think it will probably work for their own business. And that's very often not the case, even if the values themselves are sound. We, we, we come across that often, as we do with, with branding projects as well. I mean, in branding projects, people often throw Apple around as an example. And in values and behaviours, companies such as Zappos are often, often thrown around as well. And I think you have to under, people have to understand that those values worked so well for that business because that was authentically how people needed to be spoken to in that business and drove action that they had to take. And that wasn't or isn't necessarily the action or how you need to talk to people in your own business. So admirable and good to look to other examples, but not to fall into the trap of copying them because they worked before. Yeah, I mean, very sad news recently that Tony say the founder of Zappos, passed away. But he, yeah. I mean, he's left an amazing legacy. I think for oh, lots yeah. of companies when it comes to to values, by you know, I wouldn't say I'm a student of Zappos, but if I look at the work that they did, it was very deep. He yeah. asked a bunch of questions of all his employees. They came yeah. back with a bunch of values that they thought would help them achieve their objectives. Mm. And then to me, most importantly, what really made a difference is they lived and died by these mm. values. There's a great story of how they use these these values. And one of one of their values is loosely talking about being humble, right? Um mm. And they used to bus loads of candidates in from the airport for interviews in the Zappos minibus. And uh, the guys would get out and they would have their, have their interview and, and, and leave. And obviously part of that interview is, is, yes, there's a bit of skills and all the rest of it, but they are really looking at whether you represent the values that they want to hire, including, and this is the gem, is that they would go and have a chat with the minibus driver uh, who bought the candidate to the meeting and they would have a chat and sort of say did, you, did they talk to you did they ask you any questions you know or were they playing the big guy in the back of the car off to a zap <laughs> and uh, if the report back wasn't favorable that person didn't go any further in that in that process <laughs> that that's living and dying by a set of values and I, personally i think that's one of the biggest pitfalls that businesses fall into is that they they think the job is all around language and words and they forget about the action piece. Mm, yeah, I agree. I think tech firms in general have done an amazing thing for values and purpose because I think until lots of those big tech companies started taking the, this kind of project seriously, they, it was all very, or not all, I'm sure there were, good, there were good examples within that, but a lot of it was quite uninspiring. And actually tech companies have, uh, you know, there's lots of examples, Facebook and Airbnb, uh, two that we might touch on later. But there's there's lots of companies, HubSpot, who've done incredible things with values and purpose and put them right at the heart of what they're doing. Um, and it's made a, it's had a real impact on how everybody else 
looks about looks at values and looks at how to instill them in the business and I think yeah we, we have a lot to thank mm. those companies for are you able to sort of pinpoint some of the things that those guys are doing that you think are making the difference yeah so um Airbnb actually is uh I love as a an example of purpose and values and the reason that I love them so much are uh, they, they've tied the two together very nicely and their purpose is all around um, creating a sense of belonging and feeling at home anywhere. Um, and then they've got a, a lovely set of values. Um, one of the ones I wanted to pull out was be a serial entrepreneur and that's serial with a C, uh, not a serial as in killer. Um, and that refers to a really specific incident quite early on in Airbnb where they were um, they were really running out of cash and they had very little money, they had a lot of debt. And they came up with this idea to create some cereal, breakfast cereal for um, political conferences. They created a cereal called Obama O's and Captain McCain's, a maverick in every bite was the line they used for that one, which is hilarious. <laughs> um, and they basically, they sold them for $40 a box. It was, it was nothing to do with their actual, you know, the Airbnb business, what they were doing in other places. But it was kind of, it was along the sort of feeling at home, breakfast cereal, very normal, everyday thing. And um, they made a lot of money out of it. And the, they have got that as a value, be a serial entrepreneur, because they don't want anybody who works at Airbnb to ever lose that, what they call creative scattiness, where if you've got a good idea and you need something to work, you will just go for it and do it. And um, the reason I think that one is so powerful is because it's tied to a story. So it's um, it's tied to an actual event that happened in the company. Its value is very much something they still value in their own employees now. But it also, it promotes this idea of storytelling, of, of telling each other about experiences. And that's one of the ways that I think values are really best instilled. If you can tell a story about how that value has helped you grow the business, or the impact it's had, then people are much more likely to think about it and think, yeah, do you know what? That's something I could do. I can get on board with that. And I, I think that be a serial entrepreneur is, is a lovely value pair. Yeah, that's cracking. I think that's that's a great example to, to give. And it gives that deeper connection to the people within the business and an attitude. But importantly, it has an end result. The behavior will help deliver the objectives of the mm -hmm. business. And values that add value to either employees or the business is what we're really trying to get to here. It's it's yeah. not a slap on the back because we've managed to get five words because you have to have five words for your values. Oh, yes. Right. Um, and you've already got integrity, right? So there's only four to go. Yeah. Um, you know, daft things like that get in the way of really taking the time to get under the skin of what's going to help people in their, in their behaviours to help the business really stand out and really deliver against its objectives. It's, it's a far deeper exercise, in, in my opinion, um, mm -hmm. to get these things right. So with that in mind and with your kind of focus on this stuff, what, what are the sort of techniques that you are trying to make more mainstream that, that help businesses do this, you know, make more of their values? So um, something that we found really useful is getting uh, people together. And you can you can do this remotely if you need to getting people together in small groups, but small groups who don't necessarily know each other. So they might all work for the same business, but they have probably never uh, spoken to each other. And there's no expectation of how 
you might behave in that situation and people from all levels um together in a room and um asking them some questions starting out with some questions about what it is that they enjoy about working there and how they talk to their friends about what what they enjoy about their job why they go to work what makes them proud to work at at this company and I think um we often start off with some really positive questions which are not they don't even mention values they don't talk about personal values it's just about you know what do you tell other people about your your work and why you enjoy it and often you get some really lovely answers mm-hmm. which you would never get from a senior leadership team sat around a table about casual conversations you might have about the things that really matter to them about their day-to-day jobs and they're typically things that you'd say to, uh, for example, uh, you know, a relative, a friend, someone you've just met in a lift that you've never known before, asking them how they would phrase what they do often jogs some really interesting answers. There's a lot of silence during those sessions when people really think about that. But it's something we all not so much struggle with, but how we talk about what we do defines how we think about our roles. And usually that uncovers an insight around how they have been made to feel or rather what it is that they do so asking those asking those questions that as Alice said don't touch on the word value themselves but they uncover truths about day-to-day life I think what was interesting earlier on we were talking about the minibus driver as well because we we pride ourselves on talking to a diverse range of people throughout those businesses and often some of the most interesting conversations that we have during that process are with people such as front of house staff, uh, the cleaners within that business, the people that come in and out who are, for want for a better word, often invisible in that day-to-day running of the company. Their view on how things run is extremely powerful. And I think any business, you do well to talk to people that you wouldn't normally speak to when it comes to driving values and behaviors. And do you get to go as far as to speak to customers or and yes, suppliers yes. of that business to kind yeah. of really get under the skin of stuff? hundred yeah. percent. We usually get approval, obviously, from someone quite high up to do that. And then often then no one else really knows about that throughout that process. That That's a very important part of that. How, again, to just clarify how people are behaving. That is has never been more true than it is now and never been more important to get that truth about how companies and people behave over what they say they do I think the other thing that that does is it brings out a load of stories um and some of those stories are a really interesting way into thinking about what your values really are um and the the thing about talking to clients who interact with the businesses and people who have contact with them there's that phrase um brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room yeah and there's a huge amount of truth um in Mm. that when you come to thinking about values because you might think that you have a very uh set set of values and yet other people will perceive will always perceive those slightly differently but there's a lot of truth in that how how that comes over as opposed to how you see it and this comes back to that idea of um this purpose and values piece being a little bit like therapy because you have to talk to people about how they perceive things but then you also have to think about how that comes over to other people and also very importantly as well that becomes much clearer than the job that we need to do with the business to try and move them from point a to point b if that's necessary sometimes it isn't 
But as you know yourself, how other people talk about you versus how you think about yourself could be different. And if you want to genuinely change, your behavior has to change. And so our job is to then try and figure out how best to motivate people to create that change. And if that's possible and over what time frame. Cool. And just for the benefit of the tape, you know, when I say you have to have five values, one of which is integrity, I am being facetious. I was going to say, you can't forget trustworthy, because unless you put it on uh, on your value sheet, nobody will behave in a trustworthy way. Yeah, I think these are the, these must be the pitfalls, right, that people need to really take a, take a yeah. good, hard look at when they're looking at these things, because <laughs> this thing about differentiation is missed. I think values yes. have a huge opportunity to really help you differentiate yourself from the competition, not just with employees, but also with customers. I think they will really help potential candidates and employees for sure. But nowadays, consumers are far more interested in what's behind the badge of a company, mm-hmm. I think. And I think we've seen that in recent times in, in the way that brands have behaved over the course of the pandemic, right? I think some some guys have done themselves huge favors in, in the way that they've acted in line with values and other guys have caused themselves bits of problems that they've got to fix uh, mm-hmm. in the eyes of consumers. But I think that's an important thing to kind of keep in mind i think in your world of um stickiness values are something that need to uh need to really stick and some people have really come unstuck when i'm sorry i think we might i might no you can never overplay the sticky motif in (laughs) this podcast it's fine i'm very very grateful for it um so i think i think you're right people have really come unstuck um recently because it feels like a veneer has has slightly been removed and and we've seen people for who they really are and companies for who they really are and um so that's why it's really important for values to be authentic and even if you've only got one value for your company but that cut that one value is really authentic yeah then that is much more powerful than having a set of values that really don't mean very much to you yeah um and nor to anybody who works for you and the other thing i wanted to say about that is i think that um you know there's a huge amount said these days about um engaging people who work for you and actually finding ways to um make them much more involved and feel much more involved in the in, in how the company operates. And I think values are a really important part of that engagement piece. Because if you feel like you're working for a company that really embodies a lot of your values, you're much more likely to go the extra mile. You're much more likely to behave in a way that, that reflects that. And you're much more likely to have much stronger teams across your, your business. And, and when we're talking about why values are important to businesses, they really aren't just a stick it on the wall and forget about it they're really something that can massively help your business grow yeah i couldn't agree more i think alignment can be confused as being something quite controlling when actually it can be incredibly liberating i think uh, everybody pulling in the same direction i wanted to touch on modern times and in your perspective what has been the impact of remote working on things like value creation huge in one word um behaviors are are more important now than they've ever been previously businesses there was a chance for businesses to almost hide behind the corporate environment and do a values and behaviors piece stick them up on the wall put them on screensavers create badges flags gonks on top of computers hats t-shirts whatever pick your favorite value 
That's all. That can all be good stuff. But that environment at the moment is largely gone. And how companies are acting and how they care and what they do, what they expect and how they act in the time of crisis shows businesses for what they truly stand for and believe in. So I don't, no longer can you hide behind a set of values. The behaviours matter. Yeah, I really agree with this. I, I think, um, and we were speaking about this last night, that um, it's so visible now, what your values are, what you stand for as a business, what you're trying to achieve as a business, and, and how that mean, what that means for how you treat your staff. And I think um, we were talking about the power of things like video um, it, when everybody is working remotely. So if you're not all in one space together, suddenly video is a really, and not just video calls, but making short little videos that explain things, that talk about things that you've done in the past and things that you want to do in the future and ha- uh, anything that has a kind of narrative to it. Again, I'm kind of going back to storytelling, mm. but I think some of those, they're quite visual, but they're also they're kind of storytelling mechanics. And I think those are really important at the moment for telling people what you're doing and why you're doing something. Because when when you haven't got everybody together in a room and you can't kind of, you know, stand up and, and give a rousing speech to people in the same space, you still need to have that ability to inspire people. And video is a really nice way of doing it. And I think people are obviously desperate for connection as well. Uh, whereas that, a lot of that connection has been lost um, certainly interactive and video uh, uh, content between people, or rather stories, stories from real people within the business about what they've been doing, how they've achieved certain things, how they've been living out some of those values. Um, I think those stories, as Alice just said, are, are, are very important. It's been a proven way to get facts translated down from people to mm. people for a very long time. I just want to jump in, actually, and... Um flag a book that I've read this year which I think is brilliant on this kind of stuff it's called The Art of Disruption and it's by Majid Majid I'm hoping I've said his name correctly but he was the first Muslim mayor of Sheffield a few years ago and um, he ended up writing a manifesto which was also called The the Alternative Ten Commandments for Sheffield Um, and he's now written this book about how his term in office was governed by his own values and his own sense of purpose and how he um, tried to communicate that by acting in a, in a way that was quite disruptive. But he wasn't, doing, he wasn't being disruptive for the sake of being disruptive. He wanted to show people that um, the values he had and the, reflected the, the values of the people he represented. And you don't have to look a certain way or act a certain way to... Uh, represent those values and so it's a really interesting but again it's a story it's a story of how he did that and how he made sure that anybody who um, he came into contact with while he was the mayor of Sheffield knew what his values were and I I just it's fascinating actually it's a really good book it's It's very easy to read it's called The Art of Destruction I remember the guy I remember the guy really interesting guy well we'll put a link to that book in the show notes at the end yeah Um, it's lovely okay cool right we got to somehow try and pull all this stuff together because we've run out of time already. So we are, but don't worry because I have a mechanism to completely overplay the sticky metaphor another way. We're at the part of the show I call sticky notes. Okay. So we have to consolidate all of our thinking into three 
helpful sticky notes. You're an agency. You, you love a sticky note. Um, love a sticky note. Yeah, that um, really helps my listeners kind of go back to the ranch and, in this case, start understanding or putting together a more meaningful set of values that can really help people in the business if you're going to leave behind three sticky notes uh, on the walls of uh, Sticky Studios, <laughs> what <laughs> what are your three sticky notes, guys? Okay, so the first one might be pushing what you think you can write on a sticky note, but I'm, I assure you, if you get a, a slightly larger post-it, you can definitely fit this on. <laughs> um, listen and keep listening long after you, they've answered the question that you've asked. Silence Ooh. is really powerful. Keep the camera rolling. We found that the most interesting conversations often happen after you've asked a question that you thought was going to provoke some really interesting stuff. Uh, when people relax and they start talking to you about what they really think, they really believe, some of the best stuff comes out. It's of one of my mantras, and I tell it to uh, any, any new starter within the agency. The second one is, if it sounds like a team name from The Apprentice, fire it. Uh, it, it will haunt you. So any words that represent a previous team on the apprentice <laughs> as one of your values reconsider right ditch, okay ditch. Good. particularly ditch. if you've chosen endeavor okay, <laughs> <good>. <laughs> it's clearly touched a nerve with you guys there good and your third and final sticky note please be glad if it pisses a few people off that probably means it's worked nobody wants to end up with a gary barlow of values and um yeah if you've annoyed a few people that's a good thing annoying gary barlow is a good thing no, not annoying Gary Barlow. I, mean, I don't want to annoy Gary Barlow. He's a lovely man. Uh, but uh, nobody wants to be the Gary Barlow Valley. It's that kind of middle of the road, kind of absolutely fine. Everyone quite likes it. Okay, cool. Excellent. Thank you for those. That's great. Generally, whilst they are fun, there's some good practical advice on those sticky notes, and hopefully people can take those back to the office and start thinking about it and, and improving. And, uh, yeah, brilliant. Lovely to speak to you. Thanks very much for your Thank time you. today. Yeah, Thanks. lovely to speak to you, Andy. Always a pleasure, Andy. All right, guys. Well, I'll see you soon, yeah? Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, guys. If you'd like to find out a bit more about Graham and Alice and Weekend Creative, I'll put some links in the show notes. So, that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something, maybe, that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward if you have please like comment and subscribe it really helps i'm andy gorham and you've been listening to the sticky from the inside podcast until next time thanks for listening